Kovakakam. So it's the 10th of September 2022. It's also the 15th day of the 10th lunar month. And so just one month's time it would be the 15th day of the 11th month. And it will be the end of the rains retreat. And when this retreat finishes, then the monks will have duties to attend to, going to various places, attending these skillful, meritorious um, ceremonies, katina ceremonies. So in this one month that we have left, we have the chance now to practice. And so we should be stricter in our cultivating, developing of sati, of mindfulness. So we need to try and keep kōwat, our methods of practice, our um, standards in the monastery more strictly, going to the morning and evening chanting, and taking up the ascetic practices as well. And so like eating all the food just in the one vessel, in the bowl, eating in just one sitting, and being intent on speaking little, on sleeping little, but awakening ourselves through our efforts. So we put, we're going to put all of the food just in the bowls. You won't have any bags to take food. And try to be more cautious and restrained. So those monks who have trained in these things already, and they can lead the way practicing like this uh, for the rest of this rains retreat. And so even if there are kind of dishes that are offered in separate bowls, then we put that all into our arms bowl. And in <coughs> Wat Bapong, in Ajahn Chah's uh, monastery, this is how the monks would eat. Really anything that was considered a food, even the Ovaltine or milk drinks, all of those would be poured into the bowl. And, but for us, we can make an exception for milk. Uh, we can have that outside. And uh, But other people should try to uh, just put everything in. And we can give it a go. If our bodies are okay, our health is okay, we don't have stomach problems, then we can try even putting the milk into the bowl. And what's that like? When we are 100% kind of constrained or restrained within our eating. And if we still feel like the food is delicious, then we can mix all that food together. <coughs> all of the savory items, the sweet items, and kind of mix them all up. And it, we can contemplate very easily this way. And this food doesn't really have any value. When it gets mixed up in the bowl, it loses its value. And even more so when we start to eat and we put that food into our mouths, it doesn't have any value. And then when we swallow that food and it comes out the other end, then no one wants that anymore. So we contemplate how this food is really something that is dirty. And people... With wisdom, they'll be able to see this and not get stuck on the flavor of food. So we'll train ourselves like this from tomorrow onwards. 
not using any bags. And this is other than the people who have illnesses, um, that they have an exemption from this. But for the most part, our health is good. We have strong bodies, so we can train in this, knowing a sense of enoughness in our consumption of food, getting that imbalance, awakening through effort, not sleeping more than six hours. If our samadhi is okay, if it's good, then five hours or five and a half hours. To um, be sincere in this, in this practice. And because if the body isn't strong or healthy anymore, if we have issues, problems with our brains, for example, then we may need to sleep for nine hours. And the opportunity that we have to practice decreases. We sleep a lot, then the mindfulness is weak. And it can be this way due to accidents that happen. And so in that case, it's not convenient uh, to be a monk. And some people, they desire to ordain, but they have problems with their bodies, so they can't ordain. But for us, we've got good health, our bodies are strong. Even though we may be over the age of 60, there's still strength to the body. So you should practice, really try to meditate to our fullest. It's the time that we have left is not long. So we're cautious, restrained, having mindfulness. The question may arise, well, how is mindfulness and samadhi different? Some teachers, they focus a lot on samadhi. Others emphasize mindfulness. It's mindfulness or sati, it's recollection. Sampajanya, it's awareness. So we can have mindfulness over the body, for instance. Or Buddha Nusati, this recollection of the virtues of the Buddha. When we recite the word Buddha, then this is Buddha Nusati. Or there's mindfulness, knowing the breath, Anapanasati. So wherever it is that we are recollecting, then our mindfulness is at that point. But all throughout the day, our minds are recollecting things external to our bodies and minds. So this is why we need to train mindfulness, that when we're standing, sitting, walking, lying down, we have mindfulness in our body. This aspect of gaya, upasana, satipatthana, so gaya, body, vipassana, is inside, having uh, mindfulness firm there, recollecting this object of mindfulness. And we can say that these four objects of mindfulness, foundations of mindfulness, they are like four strong pillars that are firmly embedded in the ground. And so when we develop a mindfulness like this, then our minds don't go elsewhere. And Lumpucha would say, that for practitioners, when their mindfulness is strong, then their samadhi will also be strong. And we can all train ourselves in mindfulness. Because if we're going to start talking about samadhi, this recollection, this kanaka samadhi, this uh, minor or momentary recollection, upajara, this neighborhood recollection, apana, access recollection, 
If teachers talk about those, then we may feel that that's too high, that we haven't got there yet. Even Kanaka Samadhi, we haven't experienced that. So we can feel like that's too difficult. But with mindfulness, we can all feel like we can do that. That when we're speaking, we're mindful. When we're listening, we're mindful. If we're standing, we're mindful. Knowing all of these things. Having awareness. Turning left, turning right. Speaking, listening, eating. Uh, This is all having mindfulness over this body. Extending our arms outwards, drawing our arms in. Turning left, turning right. This all happens because the mind orders the brain. If the brain is functioning well, then it sends that orders throughout the body and the body responds. But if some parts of the brain have been damaged, if the parts to do with motor function have been damaged, then the mind may give that order, but the brain is not functioning well. Or maybe the brain is functioning, but certain parts of the body have been damaged, and so the body doesn't move. Uh, So like if there's an aneurysm, or if uh, someone's had a stroke, uh, then the body may not respond. So if our minds are still, then we can see that when the body is like this, it's not actually me that's like this. It's just the body. Whether standing, sitting, walking, lying down, speaking, turning left, turning right, it's not me that does that. But if we don't have mindfulness, a samadhi isn't firm, then wisdom won't arise. And we take all of these things personally. It's all me. All throughout the day, everything is to do with me. Standing, it's me that stands. Sitting, walking, lying down, I do those things. And this happens right from the time that we wake up to the time that we go to sleep. There's always a sense of self there. So we should develop our mindfulness a lot. And then we will see within ourselves, that this body is just the body, and wisdom arises. So when we make our mindfulness constant, then samadhi will become firm. And we may pick up a glass and feel that this body that's picking that up, it's not me. So if the heart is still like this, then we'll see clearly. So by having mindfulness, what that means is that we don't send our mind out to other things. And when it doesn't get sent out like that, then it has energy. When there's peace there, then our contemplation becomes easy. But if there's no peace, then we simply don't see. Really, the Dhamma, it's revealed already, it's clear already. Anicca, dukkha, anatta, is change and suffering, not self, it's already open. But for us, it's like we are in a dark place. And so we don't see these things. Even though there may be an object just one meter away from us, we just don't see it. But if we put a bright light into that place, then we start seeing clearly. And we see that the state of nature is just this way. 
It is of the nature to change, to be stressful and not self. So when our minds have this quality of sati, is recollection there, and then samadhi will be firm and wisdom arises and we will see, understand that, ah, oh, it's like this. The Buddha taught how things are changing, they're inconstant, just like this. And we see clearly. And we come to contemplate into the body and see how it really is unattractive. Samadhi arises, rapture arises. We've got mindfulness there and we contemplate anew, seeing the body as just being elements, and empty elements. And then wisdom arises. And so this wisdom can become deep. We can see with more clarity. When we see the body clearly, then it's just like energy flowing. It's very subtle, and we see to a deep level that it's not me. You can destroy all delusion there. And the ten asuba recollections, these um, ten ways of contemplating the unattractive nature can become very clear. So perhaps before we've read about these, seeing the body as just being a bag of things, a bag of things that are disgusting, a bag of blood, a bag of bones, a bag of maggots, a bag of urine or feces. And then when that bag breaks, then we see what's inside is just filthy things. It's just bones, it's just uh, the various organs there. But if we don't see inside and all we see is external, then we see the hair of the head, hair of the body, nails, teeth and skin. We see just those things and we take them to be beautiful. But who is it that makes that claim? Who is it that says that these things are beautiful? And why do we need to feel like they're beautiful? Why don't we see that they're unattractive? And so this delusion, it's um, deeply ingrained in our hearts. We've been delighting in these things for a long time already, attaching to them, and so the mind is deluded like this. So we need to fix this, and the way we fix that is with mindfulness. Having mindfulness over the body, the 32 parts, contemplating to see how they're unattractive, developing a mindfulness in this way. And when we do that, then we'll have samadhi as well. Our mindfulness comes together, our samadhi gathers together too, wisdom arises. And when we're mindful, then we're close to the Buddha. And so may all of you develop this mindfulness a lot. Be sincere and firm in your training of your mind. In this one month left to the rains retreat, you should all be strict in our practice, taking up the standards of this tradition well. And um, being firmly intent. At 2 p.m., you can come together to develop mindfulness. Maybe we'll do that at the Salapo, maybe the Obosita Hall, still not sure yet. But we can use that time to develop our mindfulness together. Doing walking, meditation, sitting in samadhi. But when we say sitting samadhi, what we really mean is developing mindfulness. And that when we walk, that we walk with mindfulness as well. 
And so when we say walking meditation, we don't say walking samadhi, but we're developing mindfulness there. And then when we do that, then samadhi will come following, and then wisdom arises. So we have this good opportunity to practice. So may all of you use that well. We've all been born with human bodies, and this already is a great fortune. And we have faith in our hearts as well. Because really there are many people who have the bodies of humans, but those who have human minds are very few. And those who have faith are fewer still. To have faith in the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha, this requires a lot of merit, a lot of bharami. And it gives us this very good opportunity that we have now. That we live in a Buddhist country, supported by the Thai people who have great faith. And it's also true for the Buddhists overseas as well. Those from Singapore, from Malaysia, from Switzerland, you have faith. And all of these Buddhists help to support the Buddhasasana, and those from India and Sri Lanka as well. You give great support to the monks. And in Thailand, uh, what's very important is the monarchy here. And having all of the kings um, who have supported uh, Buddhism right up to this present day. And uh, so the previous king, King Rama the Ninth, gave great support. And the present king, King Rama the Tenth, uh, has carried on that and increased that, really sincerely supporting Buddhism, giving us this very good opportunity so that we can do walking and sitting meditation and practice a lot, so that we're able to know the Dhamma, see the Dhamma. So this mindfulness is something that we can do. We can develop this, and we can uh, grow in mindfulness. And this is the path out of suffering. And even though we may not gain complete freedom from suffering in this life, at least we suffer less. So sometimes there are some people from overseas who wish to ordain as monks. And maybe their father says to them that it's not many the people who are able to get right into the heart of Buddhism, who are able to gain complete freedom from suffering. But really, if we ordain and practice, then we get closer and closer, and that's already very good. And then what we've gained, we can use that and teach others, uh, guide others, and this will give a lot of benefit to many people. So having given up, having sacrificed so much, we have this opportunity now so may all of you set your hearts on meditating to the fullest, and may you be sincere in this. <laughs>